awesome worship that we've had this morning. Amen. Uh, and it's because we worship an awesome God. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to kind of get a glimpse of how awesome our great God is and just be in His presence. I'll be reading from Psalm 139 here in a moment. Bob Hope was one of the great comedians of this last century. Uh, he was getting along in years. He once commented that he had been reading and was astonished to discover the following. Here's what he said. Today my heart beat over 103,000 times. My blood traveled 168 million miles. I breathed 23,400 times and I inhaled 438 cubic feet of air. I ate 3 pounds of food. I drank 2.9 pounds of liquid. I perspired 1.43 pints, gave off 85.3 degrees of heat, generated 450 tons of energy. I spoke 4,800 words. I moved 750 major muscles, and I exercised over 7 million brain cells. It's no wonder I'm tired all the time. Well, I've got to tell you, the human body is amazing, is it not? And I agree with what David said in Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 is a magnificent psalm that takes us through the brilliant qualities of our awesome God. But these attributes and activities of God show up even more dynamically because they are displayed against the backdrop of King David's difficulties. And in this case, evil people are surrounding him. Now, I, I hope this morning you don't think you're surrounded by evil people. Right? <laughs> Actually, you're surrounded by some pretty good people. But you know what? Maybe evil people have attacked you this week, and if it hasn't been evil people... There has been an evil presence trying to attack you this week. There are things about God, however, that you will never see, nor will you ever understand until you are forced into dark circumstances where the only light you have is the light of God Himself. So David is singing in the awesome presence of God. What is it that gives us assurance in times when we are fighting the battles of life? What is it that can give us comfort and peace and assurance of hope when we are facing dark times? Well, it's our knowledge of God. It's what we know about God, not only in our heads, but also in our hearts. So let me spend today, this morning, just talking about how awesome God is. Can I do that? Okay? Now, this sermon is not for somebody else, it's for you. Okay, Get that from the very beginning. This sermon is directly for you. Sometimes we listen to sermons and we think, oh, I, I, wish, I sure hope sister so-and-so is listening to this. Anyway, this one's for you. you. You need to understand this morning how awesome God is because He is awesome to you. Three things I want you to know about God. Number one, God knows more 
than you can ever comprehend. I didn't say God knows more than you. Hopefully we know that, all right? God knows more than you can ever comprehend. Let's just sit still here and let the Scriptures in Psalms 139 take us by the brilliant qualities of this awesome God. In the first few verses are full of God's knowing activity. This is what God knows about you. For example, verse 1. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. In other words, Lord, you've probed and examined everything there is to probe and examine about me. And based upon all that you have found out, you have this intimate knowledge about me. You know everything there is about me. Verse 2. You know when I sit and when I rise. You understand, that's another knowing word, my thoughts from afar. That is this, David said, Lord, this intimate knowledge tracks every second of my day. Lord, you can even understand my thoughts from afar. God, it's like you're in my head. And he is. Verse 3, you comprehend, that's another knowing word, my going out and my lying down. You are acquainted, another knowing word, with all of my ways. In other words, Lord, you search out and measure the journey I take. You know when I lie down, when I get up. You know my ways better than my closest friend. You know me better than my spouse knows me. And he does. So church, if you put the setting and the standing of verse number 2, with the going out and lying down of verse number 3, you get the full scope of every activity in life. God knows everything there is to know about you. He knows when you stand, when you sit, when you go in, go out, come in, and even lie down. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was a major uproar that occurred when people who had iPhones discovered that their smartphones were being tracked. Somebody was tracking them. It's the government. And, and, and they were storing all this data about your location, where you were and what you were doing. And, and if you don't think they can do that, if you have an, an iPhone, just man, just go on there. and you, it, it shows you on the map exactly where you are. I mean, if I had mine in here today and I, 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 I don't bring my cell phone into the... Anyway, that's another point. But anyway... It would pinpoint me right here in this location. That's amazing, but it's also scary. Because we found out a few years ago that Americans don't like this kind of invasion of their privacy. Do we? Well, guess what? God knows more. <laughs> God knows more than you can ever comprehend. It, again, I'm... I'm this is a sermon for you. Okay? And it was for me before it got to you. Here's what we need to understand. The Lord knows all of our actions every day. He knows. He knows when you get up in the morning. He knows what you eat for breakfast. He knows the route that you take to work. He knows what's on your desk or awaiting you in the office or wherever it is that you work. He knows what you eat for lunch. He drives home with you. He walks into the house with you. He watches what you watch on TV. 
He knows when you go to bed. He also knows your motivations and your imaginations through every day of your life. And more than that, He knows our reactions to things that happen. Verse 4, David goes on and says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. That is, before we form a word on our lips, the Lord knows what we're about to say. And I am so thankful that sometimes when I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit, He tells me, don't say what you're thinking about saying. <laughs> huh? Verse 5, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand on me. In the Hebrew, that literally says you have cupped your hand over me. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to obtain it. The fact that God knows everything about us can be incredibly intimidating or it can be incredibly comforting and reassuring. It just depends on which side of the fence you're at. But this knowledge is awesome. David says it's wonderful. I can't comprehend it. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, and I mean everything, is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. So with that in mind, let me ask you, who is it that's sitting in your seat? Which you is sitting in your seat? Really, there, there's actually three people in your seat. There is the person you think you are. There is the person that other people think you are. And then there is the person that God knows you are. And that's the person we need to be. So God knows me more than you and I will ever comprehend. How does this knowledge of God sustain us when we're fighting battles in our life? Well, it sustains me because I know that the things that I can't tell other people, God knows. God knows. The, the things that, that I'm afraid I can't face, God knows. He knows. Um, the other day I was, uh, I don't know, I was, I was acting weird. I admit I was acting weird. And my, my wife finally, after having a full day of it, said, what is wrong with you? Guys, don't you hate it? Don't, don't you hate it when they, you know? And, and I, you know, I knew something was wrong with me. But for the life of me, I could I could not verbalize what it was. You ever been there? You just can't say it. You can't. There aren't. There. You can't think of the right words to describe what's wrong with you on the inside. And and you know, as I was thinking when she said that, and I was thinking about it, I said, "Well, do it." And I tried to think of what I would say to her, and it sounded so weak and so, you know. And I knew if I said it, she would she would you get your big boy pants on and act like a man, you know. She really wouldn't have said that, but I thought she might have said that. So, But here's the deal. When, when I can't express 
what I'm facing and what I'm feeling on the inside, even to the person who knows me more than anybody else on planet Earth and the person who loves me more than anyone, when I can't express it to her, I can still express it to God. Because He knows. He, know, he knows more than you can ever comprehend. Number two, you need to know that God is closer than you realize. You know, church, listen, we really need to wake up to this reality. As you go through every day, God is in every conversation. He is in every meeting. He is in the car with you when you drive to work. And when you feel like you are surrounded by evil, the presence of God is more real than you realize. I heard about two mischievous boys who were always getting into trouble. In fact, if anything bad happened in the neighborhood, these two boys, mom and dad, knew that they were somehow or another involved, did it, all right? And the parents finally decided that, that they had to do something about it, and so they determined that they would take the boys to a local minister who had a way of scaring children straight. And so they sent the younger son first to meet with the minister. And this minister was a huge man. He was a full gospel preacher, right? That's a joke. You get it? And he had this booming voice. And so he set the little boy down in front of him, got right in his face, and, and he wanted to impress on this little guy that God saw everything he did. And so the minister leaned over and said with this booming voice, where is God? Well, the boy didn't say a word. He just sat there, his mouth dropped open, his eyes bulged out. So the minister repeated the question, Where is God? Still, the little boy didn't respond, so the preacher, even with a louder voice, asked the question, Where is God? And with that, the little boy let out a yell. He ran out of the room all the way home. He ran through the door, up the stairs, and into his closet. His older brother found him and asked, what's wrong? And the younger brother, gasping for breath, breath re, re, replied, oh, we're in big trouble this time. God's missing and they think we did it. God is not missing. God is not missing. In fact, He's closer than you realize. The Lord is present and active in this place and in your life. Verse 7, David asked, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You can never run to a place where you can get away from God. I mean, Jonah learned that lesson. You can run, but you can't hide. I mean, it's like being at an art gallery and seeing a painting where a, a person is looking at you and it doesn't matter where you move, they're still looking at you. Verse 8, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. No matter how high you go or low you go, God is still there. Verse 9 and 10, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. 
So maybe if you hitch a ride with the sun as it rose in the east and traverse across the sky to the west, it will never take you somewhere that God isn't. He's everywhere. I think it's interesting that David said back in verse 5 that it seemed like God's hand was kept over him. And I think I can comprehend that. God's, God's hand, His protecting hand is over me. But now he says in verse 10, God's hand is guiding me and God's hand is also holding me up. Verse 11, If I say, surely the darkness will fall on me, even the night shall be light around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So there is no place so dark that the light of God's presence can't penetrate it. We just need to see that. We need to realize that you cannot be in a place so dark that God's light cannot shine. God is closer than you realize. So how does this knowledge sustain me when I am surrounded by evil or when the darkness of depression presses in around me? It's simply this. I know that I'm not alone. God's with me. God knows more than you can ever comprehend and God is closer than you realize. Number three, you need to know that God is more involved in your life than you could ever imagine. Let me just show you how involved God is in your life. God knew when you were born and He created and arranged your body when it was still in your mother's womb. Verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. By the way, that word formed is an interesting word. It means to create something for one's own possession. So God did not create you and then disown you. No, He created you for Himself. And when it says that God created your innermost being, it means that God created more than just your body. He created the inner you, your emotions and your moral character. God made you uniquely you with the body that you have and the personality that you've been given. He made you. And this knowledge of God caused David to erupt in praise and worship. Because he said in verse 14, I praise you. God, I worship you. Because I understand I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So God is more involved in your life than you could ever imagine. But it gets even deeper than that. Look at verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Of course, I have three kids. Uh, they're all older now, but I can remember when Angie would go and have the ultrasounds done for both Whitney, Callie, and Zane. Now, I understand the pictures have gotten a lot better. 
I was just want, I was hoping Angie would have another baby so I could see one of those pictures again, see how much better they are. Those jokes aren't funny anymore, are they? Okay. I don't know if you in the balcony heard that, but somebody over here, here said they never were. I've lost my place now. I don't know what to do. So I, I've, I've seen the ultrasound. <laughs> Y'all be quiet, okay? Shh, hush. Shh. I've seen the ultrasound. It's, it's so hard to reel y'all back in. Okay? I've seen the ultrasounds of, of my three kids. And I can remember being in there in the dark room. You know, they were doing the, showing the picture. And the, the nurse lady would say, oh, there's the hand. Where? Well, there, there's, there's, the, there's the note. See the lips? No. I mean, those, those, those ultrasound pictures are so nebulous and so unclear, it's hard to make out the features. But I want you to know, when God made you, you were in HD. He saw every aspect of it. Verse 16, Your eyes saw my unformed body. The New King James translation says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. So theologians believe what he's talking about there is the embryo. God, your eyes saw the embryo. And then he goes on to say, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. So here's the deal. Understand this. God scheduled your every day before you were even born. And He records every day of your life in His book. Today's getting written down. Your book, all about you, is in God's library. He's writing about you. You put all of this together and it tells us that every embryo is a person, a created possession of God with days that are planned ahead, a life ordained in heaven to be lived out on planet earth. So, the conclusion of that is this. I am not the master of my own destiny. My life belongs to God. My life is in His hands. God, God is more involved in your life than you can ever imagine, friend. He created you for Himself. He arranged the schedule of your life. And here's something that's going to blow your mind. He thinks wonderful thoughts about you. Verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. So again, the question, how does this knowledge sustain us in the battles of life? I love this picture of God. One of the most basic things of walking with God is that every day, we need to keep thinking about God every moment of every day. I need to be in tune with Him. I need to be thinking about Him throughout the day. And it helps me to do that, to know that God is so involved in my life that He thinks about me all the time. Isn't that amazing? Of all the billions of people on planet Earth, 
of all the other things in our universe, God, right this very second, is thinking about you. Wow. So what do I do with this knowledge of God? That God knows more than we can comprehend. That He's closer than you realize. And that He is more involved in your life than you can ever imagine. What, what do we do with that? Well, I, I think we are driven to the same conclusion and prayer that David made at the end of the chapter when he said in verse 23, Search me, O God. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you remember I said this sermon is for you? And it is. It, right now is one of those moments when I wish it was just me and you. We were sitting at a table having some coffee, eating something. <laughs> and I just looked at you and said, you know, God loves you and God cares for you. God knows everything about you, the good, the bad, the ugly. God is more concerned about your life than anybody else on planet Earth. He's more concerned about you than you are about yourself. God has this tremendous plan for your life. God has something great for you. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made or how you've messed things up. God still loves you. God cares about you. You're precious to Him. He's got a plan for you. What you need to do, friend, is just say yes to God. Lord, I want you to search me. Lord, I want you to test me. And if there is anything in my life that shouldn't be there, if there is any wickedness or any sin, Lord, if there is, listen to this, if there is any relationship that is coming between me and you, if there is any habit coming between me and you, Lord, if there's anything in my life that should not be there, Lord, would you search that out and make it plain to me today? Because more than anything else, I want to walk hand in hand with you. I want to be as close to you as you are to me. So would you make that your prayer? The head's about a nice close. So I'm going to give you a chance to make things right with God this morning. To come to Him. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Being saved, I understand, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge deal. It's a complicated deal, but it's also very simple. Simple enough that a child can do it. You admit that you've got sin in your life. You believe that only Jesus can save you. And you confess your sins and your life. If you've never done that, I encourage you to come this morning and receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you're a believer and you just feel far from God, or if you're here today and you're a Christian and you're facing some of those dark places, would you come to Him this morning? Just give Him everything. Allow Him to love on you and embrace you. 
and give you hope. Lord, I pray that you would search our hearts this morning. That you would draw us to yourself. Lord, you've told us in the word that if we lift you up, if we exalt you, you will draw all men yourself. Lord, that's what we've tried to do today through the singing, through the sermon. We've just tried to exalt God, lift up Jesus. Lord, as we have done that, I pray that you now would draw people to yourself. And I pray that they would respond. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask